it is Remembrance Sunday, and so the title of our, the title of our lesson here today is Remember the Heroes. Remember the Heroes. Uh, our themes, our focus of Scripture today is Hebrews 11 and Hebrews 12. So we'll come to that in just a minute. Um, but remembrance is very important. And on Remembrance Day, we remember those who've been in conflicts and who've suffered, and many who died. Not only in, in from a British perspective in the more recent times, if you might, if you like the the wars of the 20th century. But of course, globally, there are so many conflicts of the past and the present. We want to remember those who sacrifice for the sake of others. Not in any sense are we glorifying war. And there are different views, I dare say, even on this Zoom call as to the legitimacy or otherwise of war. Perhaps we have some of the pacifist persuasion. Um, that's OK. We're not here to talk about that specifically. And we're not saying war is right or wrong. But we are saying that we're grateful for people who stood up for what they believed in that mean that we are beneficiaries of that. And that's why we remember, uh, uh, have a Remembrance Sunday, uh, at least from my perspective. Uh, many of us will have connections with conflicts. Uh, Joe already talked about that. And of course, uh, Scarlett mentioned that about her grandfather flying jets in, uh, in combat. Uh, my great-grandfather was in submarines in the First World War, which I can't imagine what that was like. Penny's grandfather uh, was a was captured during the Second World War and uh, went and survived um, uh, on uh, didn't survive in some ways, but survived physically at least uh, that experience. And some of us will be connected to conflicts around the world in one way or another, either in the past from families or even in the present day. Perhaps I don't know. Um, it's important to remember these uh, conflicts because it's about people and uh, people suffer and people are honoured. We hope so. I, it's important that we remember what's been done for us and that from which we benefit because it helps us to be grateful. And gratitude is one of those things that makes life a lot better and makes our relationships a lot better and helps us with our helps us with our relationship with God when we're grateful. And so we're going to talk today about remembrance and gratitude, how to help use our memories to create gratitude and to have, for, for what's already God has already done for us and to have faith for the future. Why? What we remember matters. What we remember, in a sense, is what we become. Is it the way we, we think about and process our memories that makes a big difference to how we think about ourselves and how we're going to show up in this world for God. So our memories matter and how we use them matter. We become more of what we choose to remember and that those memories that we dwell on shape us. They take us in one direction or another, depending on what we choose to remember. Choosing to remember doesn't mean we're suppressing memories we don't like so much. It's not about suppressing memories. Some therapists on this call would have views about that. I'm not talking about suppressing memories. I'm more talking about the memories that we choose to focus on. And that's true of our, in our faith as well as it is in most areas of life. So I hope today to help us to find a way to nurture our memories in a healthy way, to find gratitude that will underpin our past and hope to inspire our future. So we're going to talk about two things today. Firstly, remembering what God has done. And secondly, um, focusing on Jesus as to take us forward with good memories of him. So memories. Um, what's your earliest meaningful memory? If you'd like to share it, let me just ask you. From your childhood, if you go back to uh, when you were young, would you, anybody like to share their earliest meaningful memory? My, my dad had a Vespa scooter, and I can't I can't remember how old I was, but I 
I would guess somewhere between three and five. It was certainly before I went to school. Uh, and I remember riding on the back of the Vespa scooter with him. And uh, no, it was actually in front. He, he would sit me kind of on his lap on this Vespa scooter in front of him. Uh, and I, I think that's my earliest childhood memory. So I, I have a quite poor memory of my childhood, but that's one thing I do remember. That's lovely. Yeah. I think this is my first memory of similar to Stefan. I think I was three. So I was born. Uh, you might not know this, but I'm not actually a true Wiganer. What? I was actually born in, I was actually born in Warwickshire. What? My dad, You're a Midlander. <laughs> my, dad, my dad moved from Manchester to Nuneaton in Warwickshire to open and run a catering school when he, when he was very young, in his 20s. So I was born there, and then it. Uh, uh, there was three. We moved to Wigan, and I clearly remember uh, driving into this brand new estate that had just been built in Henley, uh, and I was driving down this hill, Castle Hill Park, driving past all these houses that were just built. Some houses were still built, not being built, and left with big piles of sand. And I was pulling up into our new house. 1980, I think it was 89. Arriving at our new house, which we would live for for many, many years and many, many fond memories of living in that house and growing up. And the fact that it had a massive field behind it with wild horses and stuff. So that's wow. I remember, I clearly remember just, I think, the imagery of the houses still being built and big piles of sand and everything. Just to say, John, was it John? Yeah, scared stiff by steam engine, less than three. I'm not surprised. Those things are scary to an adult, let alone a small child. <laughs> Big steam engine. And uh, is it okay about when your sister was born and you were four? Yeah, the excitement that the baby had come. Dawn and Leia moving into a house when you were two. Big overgrown garden. And Penny climbing on a climbing frame in the garden with my neighbour playing on a climbing frame. How about that? So we've got some memories there of people from when we were uh, young or younger. And uh, I don't know about you, but most of those, the earliest memories I have are, well, I'll tell you a couple. Um, one of my earliest memories, at least, was my sister coming home from hospital when she was born, uh, similar to what Oge was talking about. And uh, I was four. And I remember that. I remember that out of just great curiosity, like, what is a baby? I mean, I just, I don't know, what is a baby? What is a sister, you know? So I remember that. I remember about the same age, I was, um, uh, I went to a friend's house and he had a battery powered coach that, that with lights that blinked. And I was, I was so excited to see that. Uh, I also remember when we moved home, talking about moving home, uh, Dawn, I remember we moved home when I was four. I remember my dad saying, you know, this, you're going to say goodbye to all of this. And the, the feelings of what? Why would I want to say goodbye to this home? I like it here and being confused. And uh, and I remember talking about dads. Somebody mentioned your, your dad. Was it uh, Stefan? Was it you on the Vespa, I think? Is it? Yeah. I remember washing the car with my dad when I was about four. And I'm sure I wasn't much help, you know. But it was one of those times where I just remember trying to wash this old Hillman Husky. It was an ancient old car. And uh, with my dad. And just something very special about that. And I realized, thinking back to these memories that I have, the memories of the events are not always that significant in themselves, the things that were actually happening. The memories are about emotion. The memories about something 
meaningful you know that there was something some strong emotion and the, and the emotions for me in the five i wrote down which i didn't tell you all of them but they were curiosity envy pain and compassion fear and fun not that those are technically all emotions but you know what i mean there's some sort of strength of, of something going on there and if we're going to remember what god has done we need to remember realize that god wants to connect with us on that heart level it's not just about him doing the right thing for us. It's about him having compassion for us, about him helping us when we're in need. God wants us to remember. Um, there's an awful lot in the Old Testament, which we won't talk about now, but Deuteronomy, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, one of the interesting things to do is to do a Bible study in the book of Deuteronomy and looking at the references to the word remind or remember or something like that. Look, at, look up those words in the book of Deuteronomy sometime for a really good Bible study. And you see God over and over again through Moses telling the, the, the Israelites, remember this and remember that and don't forget this and remember that. For example, chapter 32, verse 7, he says to them, remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father and he will tell you, your elders, and they will explain to you. It's really important to God's people that they remembered the God of Israel that, that took that brought them out of Egypt. And of course, Passover is the ultimate you know, remembrance of all that. <clears throat> so it, Israelites needed to remember and we need to remember. And we're going to come back to this later, but that's why Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper, at least in part. Right. So that as we take bread in Luke 22, he says, do this. Um, he broke it, gave to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me so that you don't forget me and what I've done. Peter, in his letters, particularly Second Peter, Second Peter is another good book to study in terms of remembrance, uh, looking at the words about don't forget, about remember. Uh, Peter says this in Second Peter 1 verse 12 and chapter 3 verse 1. Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you of these things, though you know them already. It's interesting. He says, you know this, but I'm going to carry on reminding you. Uh, even though you remember them, you know them already and are established in the truth that has come to you. This is now, beloved, the second letter I am writing to you in them. I am trying to arouse you, your sincere intention by reminding you. Peter sees the value of reminding us. And sometimes we just need reminding of the things we already know about God. That helps us to realize how much he loves us. So we're going to have a brief, we're not going to really look at Hebrews 11 in any detail now because it's an enormous chapter with an amazing amount of detail. But I've got a question for us before we just have a quick look at Hebrews 11. Who can you think of? Who do you remember without looking at your Bible? So close your Bible, all right? Or shut the screen in front of you. Who can you think of in Hebrews 11? Give me one, only one. Uh, somebody, a character mentioned in Hebrews 11 that we're meant to remember, that we look that the, the, the writer reminds us of. Moses. Moses Enoch. is one, okay? Enoch. Enoch's another. Abraham. Abraham. Noah. Who else? Samson. Rahab. Samson, Rahab. Interesting about Samson. We'll come back to that. Abraham. David's in there. David? David's in there. Yep. Any more? Hannah. I don't. Is Hannah in there? That's a no. question. I don't think Hannah. so. No. I don't think Hannah's Joseph there. But she, in there? Who? Joseph. Joseph's in there? Yep. Uh, That's at least 10 already. Who else? Memory banks. See what you remember. You see what I'm doing here? See? Remember? Remembering? <laughs> any, any more? Any more? Any more? 
Is Jacob in there? Jacob. Jacob is in there. Yes, he is. Daniel. Daniel is in there. I think that's... Talks about him actually... being in No, Daniel's... That's interesting. No, Daniel's not named. I don't think. Yes, I missed him. No, Daniel's not named, though he would fit well <laughs> in this chapter, for sure. Annetta, people who did not want to please the world and preferred to suffer. Yes, that's right. Many nameless people. Yes. Enoch, yes, that's right. Okay, so Abel. We go back as far as Abel. Actually, he's the first. Abel, then uh, Enoch, Abraham, Moses, Noah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Israel. Israel as a, as a body. Israel as a nation is mentioned. Um, Rahab and Gideon, Barak, Jamson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, and lots of others who are not named but are sort of alluded to. A, a great list, a pantheon of faith, they often call this. Let's, let's read the last um, paragraph or so of chapter 11, just kind of sum it up. All these great men and women of faith. In verse, let's pick it up in verse uh, 32. What more shall I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Uh, they had their own lockdown situation in a cave or a hole in the ground. I mean, these are extraordinary people. Now, let me ask you, why do we have this list? Why do we have this whole great chapter in the book of Hebrews here with this list of people that we all know about, right? It's in the old, they're all in the Old Testament. They're all referred to. They're all talked about. We've got chapters and chapters. We've got whole books sometimes. Why, why have we got this chapter? What's your understanding of why we would have Hebrews chapter 11? For finding inspiration in others when you can't find it in yourself okay yeah it's often our own inspiration in ourselves is often lacking isn't it i i like you stefan think it's to be um reminded about inspirational people of faith particularly as num a number of those people that are listed um had had challenges um but were faithful throughout yes quite right leon says a diverse list plenty of different characters to relate to that's right if you don't kind of understand moses you might understand or connect with rahab or whoever very good point penny says many different types of people to be inspired by yeah similar point Annetta, to not allow comfort to take over in our hearts instead of living by faith right from Alice, how to remember the different people in, in time, in, during their period of time, right? Yeah, some of these people had uh, human weaknesses that, uh, um, you know, that we can kind of relate to, you know, but yet they were 
uh, faithful and uh, persevered, you know, I think that's quite, quite important. That's a really good point because they are held up to us as heroes of the faith, right? But they were like you and me. And, you know, you could, I mean, Samson's in the list. I mean, Samson, would you put Samson in? I, I don't know, you know. I mean, they all had their weaknesses and sins. So it's a really good point. God can use anybody, maybe. That's part of the point. If God's involved, okay, to show the thread of faith through time. That's a great point. All the way from Abel through to the current time. I mean, all through Israel's history. Yes, well, pre-Israel, you could say. Samson finished strong. That's right. We all fail or fall from time to time. He finished in a, uh, in a, a, a cinematic kind of a way, you could say. Yeah, he did. Good. I, I, I mean, Hebrews chapter 11 is the chapter that carries on giving always. I mean, you, you can always go back to Hebrews 11 to find something, uh, either as a just the actual chapter itself or as a stimulus to go back to look at one of these characters and look at them in the Old Testament and look at their life and reflect on what God did and how God used them. And I think for the moment, just for today, my point is particularly that there are times in my life, believe it or not, when I don't feel tremendously inspired. And there are times in my life where I feel inadequate. In fact, I've been having some conversations with people recently about my tendency towards imposter syndrome. I always feel like an imposter, like I don't really know what I'm doing or why I would do what I'm doing. And sometimes I'm in circumstances which reinforce that when I feel out of my depth or criticized or marginalized or taken for granted or not respected or, you know, these things happen to all of us from time to time, right? How do we handle that? One of the ways at least we handle that is going back to the characters mentioned in, in a chapter like Hebrews 11 to say, hang on, if they manage to be useful to God and close to God and used powerfully by him, there must be something about the, the, the nature of God that I need to pay attention to rather than just how I'm feeling right now. So this week's been a week of remembrances for me. Um, those of you who know me will, will maybe know that uh, Monday marks my baptismal anniversary. So I was baptized into Christ as an adult on the 2nd of November, 1984, 36 years ago, this last Monday. And I um, like to mark it the best I can each year. And this year it coincided with a Monday. And Monday is a day when I, once a month, usually take what I call a Sabbath day to spend extra time praying and reading the Bible and thinking and planning. And so I was able to do that on Monday and I went to Dunstable Downs, which is one of my favorite places in the entire world, to have a nice long prayer walk in the rain. I got completely soaked, um, but I didn't really mind that much. And I just had a lovely time praying. And what, one of the things I was doing was praying through and trying to remember, best I could, all the people that had a significant influence on my being given the opportunity to become a Christian that led up to that day of baptism. And... I prayed and tried to, to, to remember. And, you know, I'm, I came up with a very long list, which I won't tell you all of it now, but I went back to obviously my mum and dad who have uh, brought me up in the Christian faith. And my mother prayed with me for as long as I can remember and started reading the Bible with me and gave me Bible study notes when I was young. And then going to the local choir and being in a sort of Christian environment and the local Methodist Sunday school and then later in a Methodist youth group and a chap called Richard Davis being the youth minister who taught me a few things and took some classes and took me through confirmation classes at that point in my life when I was 13. And uh, friends at school like Chris Graves, who was a 
a good friend of mine who stood up for his Christian faith in a way that was very unpopular in an all boys school. He was ridiculed. And yet I was inspired by his willingness to be ridiculed for his Christian faith. I remember a, a Christian teachers at school, one in particular called Mr. Tolput, who took me for chemistry, which I hated the subject, but I really liked him. And uh, sorry, chemistry teachers, but uh, I, I really liked him. And, and he, was, he ran the Christian Union at school, and that was a, a big help to me. I, I think about, oh my goodness, there are so many people. Um, a chap called Richard Davis, who's significant to me. Uh, my neighbour, Kathy Wright, who I used to pray with at times, who was my age and the only other person living near me my age. And we used to pray together sometimes. Organisations like Operation Mobilisation, book, whose books I read. Uh, a book called Cambodia for Christ. List, and, it, and I don't know, so many things. At university, people that uh, Penny and I both knew who nurtured our faith in one way or another, churches that did the same. Uh, meeting Penny and uh, getting to know her and being very convicted by the fact that I was a churchgoer and a believer in God, but did, but she was somebody who actually took her faith seriously, which was a surprise to me. Like, oh, you mean you're meant to take it seriously? She actually was taking it seriously. So that was convicting and uh, inspiring at the same time as we got to know each other. Um and, and I've, I've got such a long list, which I won't tell you. That's only half the list, I think. Leading all the way up to my friend Julie D'Souza, who I'd known for a long time, some of you will know, who wrote a letter to me telling me about the church in London. I moved to London, so through her I came along to the church and I met Chris McGrath and Douglas Arthur, who taught me aspects of the Christian faith that were lacking. I knew a lot about the Christian faith and I'd read my Bible a lot, but there were some things about what it really meant to be a Christian regarding discipleship, repentance, and the significance of immersion, amongst others, that I did not understand. And they taught that to me, which led me ultimately to that that uh, evening on the 2nd of November, 1984, where I was immersed into Christ. And such a long list. And it's really important for me to remember them and remember how ordinary most of those people were, and those who are still alive, still are, because some of them are passed on. But they're ordinary people, and many of them probably will never know the part they played in my life to me becoming a Christian. They'll, they may never know, in this life at least. And I read a survey um, a few years ago about what it takes for people to make the decision to become a Christian in terms of who helps them. And they said on average of people they interviewed, they've discovered that for most people who become a Christian, there have been at least 13 people that were significant in helping them come to that decision through their life. At least 13. And many, and most people, many, many more. And I, I rather like to think that, or, or that it helps me and encourages me because I think, how do I know that a conversation I had with somebody 10 years ago hasn't been something that helped them? or something I said to somebody, or some time I sat down and listened, or some scriptures I shared with somebody who I don't even remember doing it, that that's helping them. It's helped them. And as you and I look back on our lives, I bet you can you can make a pretty long list of all the people that had a positive influence on you becoming a Christian. And you and I are to be used in the same way by God. We have the same opportunities. We have the same uh, power of the Spirit in us that's going to help it's going to mean that, that God can use you and me, not just in the past, but now and in the future, to help other people. As we remember those who helped us, we are then reminded that we are the same kind of person that will help other people. And that builds our faith. 
So that's the first thing I wanted to talk about here today is remembering those who've inspired us, remembering those who God has used to help us, remembering the heroes of the faith, not only from Scripture, yes, but also that have helped us and that we are the same kind of people and that God will use you and I in the same way. And then secondly, briefly, we also, though, need to remember who it is that's inspired them and will continue to inspire us. And that, of course, is Jesus. And that's why we started with Richard reading Hebrews chapter 12. And remember that we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. So we can throw off the things that hinder us. We can take inspiration. But let's run this race, fixing our eyes not on the past, not on other humans. We can take inspiration from them, but that's not where our, our spiritual gaze is fixed. We're fixing our eyes not on our circumstances, lockdown or otherwise. We're not fixing our eyes on ourselves. We're fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. Why do we fix our eyes on him? Because he had joy in his heart. And his joy was to go to the cross, which is something hard to grasp. There's an understatement. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Scorning its shame meant nothing to him. Sat down, because of his obedience to God, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Because he was vindicated by his obedience. He was vindicated by God, who rose him from, raised him from the dead demonstrating God's ultimate power over both sin and death. So we have faith for the future. Nothing will hold us down to the grave. Nothing will hold us down to our sinful nature. Nothing of our weaknesses is a barrier to God using us for his glory and the benefit of other people. The past heroes inspire us to think about what inspired them, and it is God. Our past heroes, the people who have helped us, remind us to fix our eyes on, on Jesus. And this is why we take communion today. This is why we do what we do. Now, here's a thought for us, and I won't ask us to answer this question now, but I think it's worth praying over and considering today and perhaps in the days ahead. What is it that helps us to remember Jesus as we just go through life, as we go through our day? It's easy sitting here uh, on screen or whatever to remember Jesus and to agree with how important it is to remember Jesus and to and to hope to remember Jesus not just now but in an hour's time or this evening or Monday afternoon or Wednesday night for Wednesday for Leslie and your family when you when you gather to talk about all these difficult things but what about Wednesday night or what about for me on Thursday afternoon or what about when we're at work what about when we're in a tough spot what can we do to help us to at those times to remember Jesus so that we do not grow weary and lose heart, as he says here? What will help us? And so can I ask us just to think about what practical things we can do that might help us in the times when we most need to remember Jesus? Is there something we could do? Is there something we could some way we could put some kind of reminder on our smartphone or is there some way we could pray that might bring Jesus back to mind? Is there something we could put on our desk, on our car dashboard? Is there something we could do? I, I don't know. I mean, there's so many different things we could do. Perhaps during the week we could share some some ideas 
uh, with each other we could stick it on a, on whatsapp or on the facebook page of the watford church if you like you can go there some ideas to help us to remember jesus when we otherwise might forget and when we really need to remember him so that we can run that race with perseverance and finish it finish it well like samson finished at least he finished well so how can we finish well like that um so what is it about Jesus that inspires us to continue the race? And what is it we can do to help ourselves to remember him when we most need him? So today we talked about remembering our heroes, remembering some of the secular heroes in the sense that were brave, brave men and women who stood up for what they believed was right or died in a cause to make sure that others could have the kind of freedom that we enjoy. We're grateful for those those heroes. We're also very grateful for the heroes of Scripture who show us that it is the ordinary that do the extraordinary by the power of God. We're also grateful for the people who shaped our lives and helped us to go from a place of no faith or weak faith or partial faith to enough faith to embrace Jesus as Lord. Grateful for them. That gratitude points us to the ultimate source of all of this power and strength, which is Jesus. And it's him we want to remember most today, and not just today, but tomorrow and the next day. We're remembering him, and that's why we take communion. That's why we take the bread and the wine that we're going to take in a moment, which is one of the ways, not the only way, but one of the ways that helps us to remember him. As he said in Luke 22, as he broke the bread and gave thanks, and he gave it to them and the wine as well, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you that you've been at work amongst humankind from the days of Abel till now. We want to thank you that men and women of faith have always, they found the way to turn to you and trust you, even through difficult times. And we thank you for the amazing men and women that are listed in Hebrews 11. And we thank you for the innumerable other people who aren't named, but just were were there, were, lived their lives of faith, trusting in you, even though they lived in a hole in the ground or a cave, God, still they, they found a way to trust you. We thank you for their inspirational example, and we pray that we will, we will take those examples of faith to inspire us, and we'll also take the examples of those who helped us grow our faith to inspire us to be the same kinds of people today, ordinary people uh, in, in the service of an extraordinary God so that we can help other people to come to know you. We pray for your word to spread, to spread in Watford and wherever we live. We pray that other people would come to remember you, to honour you and to remember what Jesus has done for them. We pray that we'll never forget what Jesus has done for us, Father. May that be our ultimate inspiration at all times. And we pray that you'll help us this coming week to have a week where... We habitually, by nature, remember what Jesus has done for us and that that's what inspires us to serve you. Thank you that Jesus died on a cross. Thank you that he trusted you. Thank you that we can take this bread and wine in remembrance of Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, our brother, our friend, our inspiration. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.